Men and women who do not claim perfection in our own right, we may be all dressed up and look pretty good, but the fact is that every one of us in this room are sinners and in daily need of help from a higher power, our creator, sustainer, God, who through the work of Jesus Christ, his son, offers grace and forgiveness and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength to get through one day at a time. Glad you're here. Glad I'm in the battle with you. Because, folks, that we're in a battle. You have your Bibles. Here's our, here's our marching orders. I'm a child of God. God. Having my hand. Have my the powerful Word of God. Word of God. It can change lives, change lives. Heal broken hearts. Heal broken and save man's soul. Save man's soul. And, Lord Jesus, today, Lord Jesus today, would you speak to me? Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. High five, fist pound your neighbor. Better yet, reach over there and hug your neighbor. Just tell them you love them. Then tell them you love them. I didn't say anything about kissing now. Stop that over there. Hey, David. <laughs> yeah, he was kissing him all right. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations uh, to David and the Jinx Trojans for a good win Friday night against. Broken Arrow Tigers. Awesome. <clears throat> it's always uh, always good to beat Union, but uh, always good to beat Broken Arrow. So, praise the Lord. Next week is fall break. Isn't that exciting? Parents shout hallelujah on fall break. What am I going to do with these not hit jokes? <laughs> We're Cindy and I are shouting hallelujah when the when her car comes back from Colorado, and uh, the other cars takes off out of sight. It'll be awesome. We have enjoyed our granddaughter though. She is a hoot. All of you told me that we would enjoy being grandparents, and I understand exactly what you mean there. I understand it. She is a dandy. Elijah, what a great study we're going to do. This. Uh, these next three or four weeks. Uh, Jeff, I believe it's the number two video promo. Could we go ahead and throw that up there right quick? Is that going to be a big chore for you? I forgot to get that set up. I want you to see this before we go too much further. <clears throat> Morgan does not have cancer, by the way. They found in the root canal that was done, somebody left a piece of uh, uh, cotton up in her tooth. Created an infection, obviously. She's doing all right. Other than being a normal knothead on her kid, she's doing all right. We're going to be able to pull that up, brother? I think so. I think that's the one I want. Nope, that's not it. That's not it, Jeff. Yep, no, it is. It is exactly what I want. Which God do you serve? That's exactly the one I want. Which God do you serve? Because that's what we're going to be talking about. If you can go back to that lead slide, an angry king, devastating drought, epic opposition, and one man who overcomes it all, 
And when the world around us is spinning out of control, where do you turn? Where do you turn? If you have your Bibles, most of you held them up. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to be there in just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. But before we dig too deeply, I want to give you a little context of where we find Elijah. And there should be a map up there, Jeff. There we go. The kingdom was divided at this time in Israel. There was the northern kingdom, and there were uh, 12, 12 tribes total. Ten were in the north. Two stayed in the south. Judah stayed in the south. Israel kept the name of the northern tribes. Elijah is the prophet of God in the midst of the northern kingdom for a period of 200 years they had 11 excuse me they had 19 ineffective leaders and not only ineffective but evil leaders secession after secession after secession of bad leadership Elijah's right in the midst in fact at the time Elijah is living the king's name is Ahab, and many of you know who his wife was. Do you remember? Jezebel. Some believe the most wicked woman that's ever walked the earth was Jezebel. You never hear, I have never in all of my life heard any mom name her daughter Jezebel. I've never heard of any of you. Because you see, that name resonates with evil. And oh, she was a bad woman. Oh, she was a nasty woman. And he's in the midst of this. They had led the people of Israel from serving and away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and had turned them to false gods, the gods of Baal and the, gosh of the God of Asherah. And people would often sacrifice their children to these false gods. They would go into the temples and engage in sexual activities with prostitutes and call it worship. And things that were even too gross to describe. And Scripture says that under Ahab's reign, he was more evil than anyone before him. So it was a very dark, a very dark time of corruption. And I mean, we're talking about major scandals, tremendous idol worship. And God finally said, enough is enough. Folks, there will be a time, probably sooner than you think, when God will say again, enough is enough. And He'll send Jesus and the sky will roll back and He will come riding on the stallion. And how, oh, if you're with Him, guess what? You get to go. How, oh, if you're not with Him, you don't get to go. But God didn't raise up an army to take a stand against this evil king. He did what he often does. He raised up one person to take a stand. One man to take a stand. And I would argue that in today's world, God may want to do something very similar where you and I are and where you and I live. God may want to raise up one teenage girl to stand against her class concerning sexual purity. He may want to take one of our young men or women in the business world and have them stand for integrity where it lacks. 
He may raise up one person to go into politics, and we will pray for that person. But that person to go into politics to take a stand for what is true. God often raises up one person, one person to make a big difference. Maybe He's raising you. Maybe He's calling you. Maybe He's touching you. So today I want to make a foundational understanding of who Elijah is. I want, I want to call this message the making of a man of God. Or in some of your cases, the making of a woman of God. But we need to start by understanding the word Elijah and what it means. There are three root words to his name. El, Eli, and Jah. The word El stands for Elohim or God Almighty. The I is the personal pronoun for my or mine. And then the J-A-H, the Jah, comes from Jehovah. And so when you put it together, it very literally means the Lord is Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. The Lord is my God. So whenever someone would speak his name, Elijah, this is my God. By the very name. And so immediately when God raises up this prophet to stand down this king... By, the, by His very name alone, He's making a testimony that the Lord is God, the one true God. Because it was Elijah that rose to stand down this king. And the very first time we see Elijah in all of Scripture is in 1 Kings chapter 17. And at the very beginning of that story, we don't have hardly any background on the prophet, but we simply know him from where he's from. I'm from Texas. And you can tell when a person's from Texas. You just can't tell them very much. But he was known from where he was from. Look at verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, So, he's a Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead. Any of you visited there lately? Great hot vacation spot over in Israel. <laughs> Where? Where is it? Who knows? Who knows? The thing that slays me so much about professional athletics is you'll see these people in college that were just outstanding players get to the pro ranks and come from these major universities but never produce anything. They end up coming from Panhandle State or McMurray University. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because it's not about the school, it's about the person. Amen? So Elijah, the Tishbite, he's identified where he's from. He says this. He says to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, can you imagine Elijah going to the king and saying that? That's pretty bold, isn't it? That's like when you were a kid growing up, you'd go stand up to your dad. Any of you done that? Once? 
Any of you ever sit in your room and think, I could take him? I know I could take the old man. I'd take him out. I'm sick and tired of it. Boy, I'm going to take him out. Mm, 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 mm. And you bust out of that room and you're ready to take the old man down, aren't you? And he's sitting there with his heart medicine by his side. And he's sitting there with that air hose giving him oxygen. And you walk up to him and you're fixing to take him out, aren't you? I used to fake heart attacks all the time. They'd come up and gonna, gonna, gonna hurt me or something. And I'd go, oh, oh, and they'd go, what? I'd bet I took them right there. Right there! Whatever advantage you gotta have, you take advantage of that advantage. But can you imagine standing before the king and saying this? King Ahab is saying this? Woo! You think you had it bad at your house with your wife. What about Ahab coming home and telling her? Mm-hmm. Woo! put it in context, we've got a lot of people today talking about that we're in a global economic slowdown. <laughs> I love the students say, hey, recession's over! As the unemployment lines continue to grow. Tell Dina Kennedy how over the recession's been. Tell our brother Jackie how, how, how it's over. Ooh. The world's in an economic shutdown. Agriculturally, the culture, the economy where Elijah found himself with no rain, it shut everything down. In our world, it would be akin to no gas at the gas station. Banks not loaning money. Huh, welcome to America. The worst yet, you couldn't get any of your money out of the bank. They don't mind taking millions, but they're not going to give you any. Bless your little heart. Well, put it in savings. You bet. They're going to give you a fourth of a percent, a half. They make it so crazy you can't understand what you... And then you get your readout and you, here's how much money you made last quarter. How much was it? A nickel. Woohoo! <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, we're in, we're in some deep trouble here. Unemployment. In this culture, unemployment. Electricity for your house. You can't put it... You can't keep it on. Life as you know it's ended. People starving to death. Unemployment reaching 50, 60, 70, 80 percent. People going, they're dying all over the place. And this man stands down the king. And he says, no more rain. You know it took tremendous faith to do that. Tremendous faith to do that. So the battle's on. The man of God stands strong. I want to see him fight King Ahab, don't you? I'm ready to see him take him down because God's on his side, right? But instead, God does something a little different. He takes Elijah into a season of hiding. Season of hiding so he can do so much more in him. Why would he do that? Because there's so much more God wants to do through him. And we're going to watch over the next few weeks as God shapes this man in a very deep season of preparation, almost as if God is saying, there's so much more I need to do in you because there's so much more I want to do through you. Many of you, you won't much identify with what I'm going to say today. But there's some of you that will. Three seasons of preparations that I want to identify in our story today. The first one, God takes him through what I call a season of isolated pain. 
where he is very, very alone. He's got no one else to call out to. He's hurting very privately in a season of hiding. Look at verses 2 and 3. Verse 1 says, no more rain. Verse 2, then immediately after that, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of Jordan. Can all of you say Kirith Ravine? Ready? One more time. Ah, one more time. That's it. Say it with fervor. The word in the Hebrew, kirith, means cut off or cut down. It means cut off from the source, cut off from the blessings, and it very literally means to cut down like you would chop down a tree. And you could almost sense what God is saying here. It's as if God is, is, is going to say, I'm going to take you through a season of breaking. I'm going to cut you down. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to teach you to be totally dependent on me. And I'm going to, I, I'm going to humble you privately before I use you publicly. Oftentimes, God will take us through this season in order to produce something greater in us on the other side. I'm going to do something God says very deep so later on you can do stuff you've, ever, you've never thought possible. And a lot of times people are in what I call this Kirith Ravine. There's a season of pain. And they're going, hey God, where are you? And in reality, oftentimes God is right there deeply working in them, but they just don't see it. Stories illustrations can have meanings, true? I'm going to tell you one that, that has, it, it's a cute part of a story, and then it's a nasty part of the story, and then it's an ugly part of the story, okay? I'm going to tell you that ahead of time, because here it comes. This little bird's flying south for the winter. The little bird flies uh, going on, he's, and, he's, and he's off to a late start, so he gets caught in a snowstorm. Snow and the sleet get on his wings, forces him to crash land. Little bird's being pelted and he's cold and he realizes his wings are frozen and he can't fly and he's being covered up by the snow in his sleet. He just resigns to this horrible death and he says, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And the little bird, he says, I'm going to freeze to death. And all of a sudden, that's, the, that's kind of the cute part of it, all of a sudden a cow walks by and a cow stands over him and does what cows do releases some stuff and that's the gross part of the story now you gotta understand he releases some stuff on top of the bird and the bird says oh I thought it was bad I was going to freeze to death well now I'm under this pile of manure oh it's the worst thing ever then all of a sudden, the warmth he's surrounded with begins to melt the ice from his wings. And he begins to shake a little bit, and he thinks he can fly. And so he's overjoyed, and he begins to chirp, 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 chirp. And then Satan's leading creature, the cat, shows up. Here's the chirping. 
kills and eats the bird. So what do we learn from this story? Three lessons. Lesson number one, everyone who drops manure on you is not your enemy. Number two, everyone who digs you out is not necessarily your friend. And number three, when you're in a manure pile, keep your big mouth shut. All right. That's the lessons we need to learn here. And some of you right now, you would say, boy, preacher, I'm right in that Kareth ravine. I'm there. I'm being broken. It's like I'm being cut down. And those things that I used to depend on, I no longer can depend on. I'm in that Kareth ravine. And God may say, no, you've got to understand, I'm doing something in you. Because if you go through the rough times and you emerge on the other side, you will be much stronger. Amen. Oh, yes, you will. Stay with the fight. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Stay the course because there's greatness on the other side. Greatness on the other side. Ah, you're in that Kirith ravine. But it's a preparatory work God is doing in your life. Elijah was there for months, all alone, nobody to talk to. No one, uh, no one understood the Kirith ravine where God was breaking him. No one would go out there. Because see, when the ravens showed up, it appeared to be death. (laughs) And the Jews didn't hang around death. So they wouldn't go out to the ravine where the ravens were taking food and provisions. We'll talk about that in a minute. A.W. Tozier, great Christian writer, he said this, It's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until until he's hurt him deeply. Say it again. It's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. And you might say, well, why would God do that? Well, a lot of it's because of our own pride. Sometimes he's got to knock us down to our knees to get us to understand. Some people have said, you've got to get flat on your back before you can look up some days. So you know what? God will use every circumstance of life to help us get refocused. Can I get an amen there? Sure. He does it all the time. Isolated pain, season of the Kareth ravine. Then the second thing that God took Elijah through was his, as he was shaping him and molding him into the man of God in power, is that he took him through a season of what's called total dependence. Total and complete dependence. Where Elijah cannot depend on anything at all but God and God alone. Let's pick it up at verses 4, 5, and 6. So God says, Elijah, Elijah, you will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. Elijah, you'll drink from the brook that I've ordered the raven, and I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what he what the Lord had told him. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. In the middle of a drought, there's no water at all. All of a sudden, this brook rises up. And in the middle of the drought, no rain, there's this brook, and he gets to drink from it. We've got God's heavenly catering service. (laughs) The ravens bringing food in and out morning and night. 
God was very clearly and very distinctly saying that no matter what and for always I will be faithful, you can count on me to provide for you. Boy, don't lose that lesson today. God will provide for you in the worst of circumstances. Many of you right now are in that season where there is something you used to trust in for your security and it's been taken away. And you don't have anything else to trust in but the giver of life and the giver of all good things. And you are having to learn that when everything else that you used to believe in fades away, God will forever and always be faithful to you. It may be that you've lost a a, a spouse. And that's hard to get past. It's hard to overcome. It It may be financial. It may be your kids are acting like knotheads. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Kids, you may be facing parents that are acting like knotheads. I got you. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know where you are right now, but God does. And He can provide for you. A single mom knew that well. She had prayed every day very loudly in her apartment. She would pray to God and worship Him for His provision. And she lived next door to an atheist who hated hearing her prayers through that very apartment size thin walls that that you have in those places sometimes and she would worship god and the atheist would come over and say lady you're a fool there's no god and one week there was more month left than money and she was crying out to god oh god you you've always provided for me you've always been faithful i know you'll come through again oh god oh god please provide food for my children and the atheist said had enough He marched down to the grocery store. He bought several bags of food. He brought it back over to the woman's apartment. He put it right in front of her door. He knocked on the door and he ran and hid in his apartment so he could watch. She comes out. She sees the food and she says, Oh, God in heaven, you're so good. Thank you so much. Oh, it's so amazing. Well, he jumps out and he says, You're a fool. There's no God. God didn't do that. I just, I did it just to prove to you that there's no God. And she began to worship God even more. And she says, thank you, O God. You provided for my needs. And you made the devil pick up the bill. (laughs) That's it, isn't it? That's it, isn't it? Forever and always, God says, I'll be your provider. When you can't depend on what you used to be able to depend on, I'll deliver you and what you need. and, And that's the cool thing about who he is is that God didn't give him two days' worth of food. He didn't give him a week's worth of food. He didn't give him three months' supply of food. What did God give him? He gave him enough for every day, for right now. He gave him enough for right now. And you may be living right there where God's given you just enough for right now. You don't need next week. You don't need five months from now. You need right now. God's got you right now. God may be saying to you, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to bring more than you need, but I'll bring exactly what you need. Elijah learned to depend on God for that every day. And God's teaching him, God's breaking him, God's cutting him, God's humbling him. He's teaching him total dependence. When he has no ability to provide for himself, God is teaching him, I will always be your provider. The third thing that God does God takes him through a season of what's, uh, what I would like to call unconditional obedience. There's isolated pain, there's total dependence, and then there's a season of unconditional obedience. Let's pick it up at verses 7, 8, and 9. And the story starts to, to break down a bit here. Let's take a look. Sometime later, 
What happened? Because there had been no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. <laughs> Every day he was providing for him. Every day he had water and he had something to eat. And now God says, go to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Put yourself in Elijah's shoes for a minute. You've been out isolated, away from people for months. You had no way to feed yourself except the birds would bring it to you. And now the brook that you drew water from dries up and you begin to, and then he says, I want you to get up and move and go on. Hello? Hello? Why would the source of what used to feed me dry up? God oftentimes dries up the brook that we're drawing from to give us the courage to leave where we are and to go where we're supposed to be. Some of you right now, you're going, my brook's drying up. I used to be able to trust my job, but I don't have a job anymore. I used to trust my 401k, which is now a 201k. I used to trust my friendship, Brooke, but it's drying up. I used, to, I used to trust in my good marriage, Brooke, but, and I thought it would last a long time, and man, he's gone, or she's gone. It seems like the brook in my marriage is drying up. I used to be really close to God, and it's like that brook's drying up. A lot of times people will say, God guides by what He provides. Preachers will say, where there's, there's vision, God gives the provision. And God will often guide by what He provides. But I believe also with all of my heart that God often guides by what He does not provide. God, the same God who gives water may cause the brook to dry up and to give us courage to take a step of total obedience. The brook dried up. It gave Elijah the courage to be obedient even when it didn't make sense. He says, go to Zarephath. But I'm not sure. Because this brook is here and it had water and now it doesn't have water. Why am I going somewhere I don't even know about and I don't even want to go there. I want to stay where I am. God, I don't understand what you're saying. Anybody ever see the movie Karate Kid? You know, Miyagi, he, Daniel comes to Miyagi and he wants to learn how to... How to how to, how to do karate. And Miyagi says, wash my car. And wax my car. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And he says, paint my fence. You know, he gets the brush and he's like this, right? He goes, no, no. He says, squat a little bit. Long strokes up and down the fence. And he says, paint my house. Well, he went fishing. Remember that? And he says, paint it long strokes this way. Long strokes to the side. And Daniel gets really upset because he's not learning karate. He's learning. He's doing all these chores for Miyagi. And then Miyagi, at one point, after he's done all these things and, taught the, and learned these moves, he does what? He starts to throw punches at him. So he throws a straight punch, and what does, what does Daniel do? <laughs> throws another one. Wax on, wax off. You got it? Then he gets him out. You know, it's the whole thing. 
He's taught him karate without ever teaching him specifically about it. That's what God does for us all the time. We'll go through things in our seasons of life. And we won't understand them. But they're to help us to be overcomers. And so God says to the prophet Elijah, you go to the Kirith Ravine. The ravens are going to feed you. Now, that, that, what? So he goes out. He's doing that. Everything's working good. The brook's good. The food's good. Everything's good. And all of a sudden he says, brook's drying up. You need to leave and go down to Zarephath. Huh? And you got to go down there and stay a while. I've got to just hit the high points. You read the rest of the 17th chapter, but he, he, he moves and he travels to a place hundreds of miles or so away, across a barren land. He comes and sees a widow who God uh, uh, says is going to provide for him. So he humbles himself. He, he asks the lady, uh, ma'am, I'm thirsty. Could you give me some, some water to drink and maybe a little snack because I'm hungry? And the widow looks at him and she goes, hey, we're in a drought. I'm out picking up sticks because I've got just enough flour and enough oil to make a loaf of bread. I've got my son at home. I'm going to cook that. And then we're going to die because that's all we got. And you want me to feed you and water you? And so he looks at her, and the compassion of God comes into his heart. He says, it's not going to happen. And what looked like an impossible situation speaks to faith in Elijah. And so he says, the flour that you will, will not run out of, the jar of oil will not run dry. Go back and make some biscuits. And, of course, that's where we get the great doxology song, Praise God from whom all biscuits flow. So they ate, they ate for weeks and months, the story tells us. God again supernaturally providing for Elijah in, an, in his unconditional obedience to God. And then one day, tragedy strikes and the little boy dies and the mom freaks out and she says, Is this God's judgment on me because I turned against the one true God and, and to these false gods? And Elijah, did you, did you come here? So that this would happen in Elijah because of all that had happened, because God was shaping him, did something to our knowledge. And, and to my knowledge, it's never happened in, in history. He, the Bible says that he took the boy, put him up on his shoulders, went out to the upper room. He looked up to heaven and he said, God, I think you can heal this kid and I'm asking you to do it. And God raises that dead boy to life. Why did that happen? Because God took him to the Kirith Valley, to the Kirith Ravine, where he was cut down. God took him to a season of total dependence where he couldn't depend on anything at all but God and God alone. And then God dried up the brook so that he would leave there and go to where God ultimately wanted him so once again he could perform a miracle and raise the dead back to life. When did you find Jesus? When did he raise your dead soul to life? Why would Elijah have faith? Because you see, and next week we're going to talk about this, how God then took Elijah, who had great courage to stand before 450 false prophets and ask God to send fire from heaven to prove God's goodness. <laughs> and we'll see what God does. But the only reason Elijah is going to be able to experience that is because he had been through the Kareth Ravine. Some of you right now are in a season of deep pain and God might be saying to you and 
may be saying to you, I'm doing something in you because one day I'm going to do more through you. Verse 1, Elijah was described as Elijah the Tishbite. He was known from where he was from. 23 verses later, 23 verses later, he's not known for where he's from, but instead from whom he's from. Let's look. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are what? And that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. God may allow you, He may allow me to go through those through the Kareth ravines in our life so that one day someone can look at us and say, now I see it. Now I see it. You're a woman of God. You're a man of God. You're a teenager of God. You're a child of God. You are, a, you, you are what a supernatural work looks like. And God wants to do that supernatural work in all of us, especially those today that are really in a season of hurt and pain. God, we call out to you. I know a lot of you are, are going to identify and you're going to say, you know, I'm in that ravine right now. It's hurting. It's difficult. Some of you would say, you know, the things I used to trust in, they're not there anymore and I've got nowhere else to go but God. I'm learning to trust Him. Some of you are you're going to say, oh, the brook dried up and I can no longer stay where I was comfortable. Now, now I've got to go somewhere new. If you're, if you're in one of those places today and maybe you're hurting, some of you just might want to say, hey, preacher, would you just pray for me? I've been where you are. And I would be honored to pray for you. Because it's painful. And it hurts. But we can thank God. We can thank God for those trials and tribulations. We can actually see perfection coming in us and making us more like Jesus, His Son. We need to pray. God, give us Give us perseverance to endure any tests and any trials. We need to pray that the fire would not burn out, but that it would burn deeper in us. That it would burn away all those impurities in our lives and make us more like God. I want you to take the hand of the one there close to you and let's, let's be in a spirit of prayer together. God, there's some people in this room who I've described to a T. There's some people in this room who absolutely need a touch from you today. They're in a valley of pain. They're in a valley of aloneness. And they need to hear your voice. Father, though, you've, though, though things have been provided for them, the brook's dried up. And they don't know what they're supposed to do. God, it may be that you're calling them to leave a life that they used to live into a deeper life with you. You may not want them to leave Jinx. You may not want them to leave Oklahoma. What you want them to do is to leave being self-centered and leave worrying and focusing on things that really don't matter and get back to focusing on you God I would ask you today as we hold each other's hands that you would make us uncomfortable where we are and obedient to follow you wherever you lead us and perhaps Father there's some who would, who would pray this prayer aloud Heavenly Father I trust you to save me 
to assist me, to love me through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, would you forgive me for all of my sins? Would you make me brand new? Would you become my daily bread, my daily source of strength and life? Because you died for me, I want to live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can hear you and follow you. Jesus, you are my Lord and the Savior of my life. Take my life. It's yours. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and God is tugging on your heart, God is touching you. You feel the Spirit 